He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. This is the Locker Room Guys brought to you by Chad's Pizza. Uh, great pizza, great atmosphere, and even better deals if we're talking drinks. Um, we're covering the Big Ten today and uh, watching Big Ten football at Chad's. I mean, it's going to be a must during this football season. So, yeah, tell them we sent you. And, um, yeah, so to begin off things, obviously a lot of news in the Big Ten with realignment. Uh, it's more like the Big 20 now. But... Yeah, it's crazy getting Washington and Oregon along with USC and uh, UCLA. It's pretty damn nuts. Um, I mean, as far as, like, traveling and all that shit anymore, it just doesn't matter. So I wanted to kind of bring up – I did a little conference realignment, and, I mean, I don't – it's not going to take long at all, but it just makes way more sense to me. So instead of having the traditional, you know, conferences and everything – I say we completely just split it up into four conferences. There's going to be a Big East in basketball. Then we're going to have a Big West also for basketball. And then we're going to have the Big North and the Big South for football. And, I mean, when you talk, like, the Big West, you're going to have, like, Arizona, Kansas, uh, you know, like, UCLA, USC, maybe. Or, no, they'll be in the football one. But, you know, teams like that, pretty much half the Big 12, a lot of the Pac-12 and then, you know, going over to the Big East, we'll, we would add teams like Duke, UNC, Louisville, all of them. And it would just be so much more fun. We just take all the basketball schools, put them into their own conferences, and just see how that shit goes. Like, as even, like, you take, like I said, as far as, like, Duke, UNC, all of them, it, it, in the Big Ten, we'd lose, like, Purdue, Indiana to our new basketball conference. And I think... If it went to that, we'd all be just way better off. But how do you uh, – you can't do – was this for, like, both sports? Yeah. So, like, Purdue for just, every like – sport? Yeah, Purdue. What we- Purdue, like, they – it would be, like, a FCS team. Or, yeah, FCS. No, like a, a G5 team. So, like, they like, wouldn't even matter. But, they, but in basketball, they would be, like, in a power conference. That's a terrible idea. Why? What about what about football? Wait, that doesn't we make any sense. We don't need 133 teams in football. We just need the two power conferences and just make it. Oh, like that a would league. be so stupid. That would be so it stupid. It would not be. College football mm-hmm. would suck. No, it wouldn't. Yes, it would. Not like Tulane last year. I don't give a Joy, fuck. You're taking out like Purdue and stuff of the Power Five in football. Yeah. That would be the dumbest thing ever. So football and basketball. Who, have where's problems. the deadline? How do you make it? Purdue was literally in the champion Big Ten championship game last year. Yeah, but they're at the end of the day though, they're never going to be contending for a uh, actual title, and so I just put in every the, football that, school in uh, two be, different conferences, and that might be the worst idea I've ever heard in my entire how? life. How it, it would be the most competitive oh, no, no, football no, ever. No, so how many teams <clears throat> are in this football? Uh, let me. Pull it up. 
Like four? Okay, no. What do you mean? One, two, three, four, five. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, so our conference, like the Big North, we would have 18 football teams, and then the Big South would have 18 football teams, and we'd, like, play our conferences or even have a, you know, expanded tournament. That would, completely, that would completely ruin college football. No, it wouldn't. Completely. Yes, it would. The part of college football is watching these some of these teams play, like getting upset and just having it doesn't you don't it's not the end. You're exactly like what's wrong with like people saying the power conferences making like a Purdue and teams like that go not even compete in power five football would be stupid. It's stupid they that were they're in- 10 championship no, last year. I get it. I get I, it. But you know, I, I don't think you understand. I, I don't think anybody other than Purdue fans will really be missing, like, oh shit, we can't watch Purdue football anymore. So, what other teams would, what other teams aren't making it then? Um, that are fun to watch. I'll read you. I'll read North you. Carolina not count then? So, we don't, yeah, we North don't Carolina, even get to Drake. Yeah, North Carolina's in the Big East. Drake May. Yeah, we but don't get to see Drake May. Drake May can transfer. Why does he doesn't want to? He wants to go to North Carolina. Well, this is actually the worst idea I've ever heard in my entire life. No, it's life. not because you're getting it's the best basketball schools just playing in no. the two biggest conferences. And then because that's essentially what college football is going to become, it's just going to become two just powerhouse conferences. And so I just took the liberty of putting all the best uh, football no. schools into two different conferences, yeah. then all but, the two best basketball schools into different conferences. Oh, because because teams have down years and stuff in each sport. Teams have really good years. Right. Teams come out of nowhere. We don't have TCU wouldn't be a team then of last year. We wouldn't have had that story. Oh no, then. yeah, they're in the they're in the basketball. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. We would not have had that story last year. Yeah, Tulane I mean, would not have beat USC. That's the problem. Football would have sucked. You'd have been like, oh, we're just watching all these good teams play. Where's the no. parody in that? There's no. none. Because what's NFL? This isn't the NFL. Oh, wait. No, okay. Going back to basketball. <clears throat> Indiana deserves to be a basketball school. You know how bad they were for like a few years there? Yeah, but historically, they're a basketball school. So Nebraska's, Nebraska um, automatically gets a football because they're historic. Yeah. Because they're, they're historic. North. Oh, because they would have been so much fun to, in this conference like the last how many years? Last 12 well, yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, you're right? the one saying where it's just going to be a bunch of guys beat them up. I mean, uh, you know, nobody's going to be bad, but yeah, there, there's, there's no, teams there's no such thing as a basketball and like football school. Like teams have down years, teams have up years in both sports for the most part. You can't just take them away. Well, I mean, that's, that's what, that's what they're doing. Ever. That's what they're doing. So you, there's not a single, they're making Maybe can find five uh, college sports fans that would agree with you in the entire world that that what you said, what you just said is a good idea. Luke, I'm just saying it's pretty much what they're doing already. So I just took it upon myself to well, just what, make it even. Why does so? I have a question. Why would um Iowa just if you weren't an Iowa fan? I don't know if we even really deserve the to be a football or basketball. Say, can I say something? what about the teams that are nothing? <laughs> yeah, okay. So Stanford and Cal, they are gone. And um, but what Stanford has what, beat us in the Rose Bowl like there, six years. Ago. There are a lot of schools that are just eliminated from playing college sports. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. So you said that they have to contend for a national championship. Not if have went, to, not have to, but um, like a lot of even, a lot of schools could. Even win the conference, you're taking out every team in the Big Ten right now. Obviously, without the teams that are joining, taking out every team except for like three. I had to read you off the Big Ten teams, like consistently that are consistently going to be able to win you the conference the, or win you the national. No, I mean that. 
like I said, it wouldn't be like consistently win. But so from the Big Ten of Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa, Penn State, Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota, and Nebraska. Illinois is a basket, a football school. Minnesota, and Nebraska. No, I put them in there because they. Uh, Illinois is way better basketball. Yeah, but they don't gera- geographically. They don't really fit in the East. You're actually your thing. point makes zero sense. Like like Luke just said, Iowa would not be in this technically. If you kind of if you look at it, but I know it, it sucks for both north, of you to say that. The Big North did need eighteen teams, so I know. I'm just saying, like you're gonna have to get rid of damn near every single one of your teams, which is probably including one of your favorite teams. What classifies football and basketball school? Explain to me what you did. What other than your, your opinion. What would your classification be? Other than <laughs> your opinion. There exactly. There's no te- – there's maybe two teams that are basketball or, like, there's maybe, like, four teams that are just basketball that you could say basketball school. And then there's, like, I don't know, maybe only a few that are football too. Like, Ohio State, Ohio State is good in both. Michigan's good in both. Alabama. Wait a minute. So Michigan, we had this conversation two years ago or three years ago, Joey. Michigan wouldn't be in the in your in your so called uh, historically football. a football school. They're a very good basketball school too. Very very good. They what had the Fab Five. They won a national national t- title. They went to million Final Fours. But I think I bet in the in the mm-hmm. recent years they're more of a football. And take out the last two or three years of Michigan, two. they're more than football than they were. They're more basketball than they were football. Well, right. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be down years for every school, but. No, no, because we had this conversation two years ago. Michigan would have been basketball. They wouldn't have been into football. I don't think so. Is there yeah, a historically football going, school? Two years ago, I said, no, they're really good basketball, Joey. They they have more national championships in football than they do basketball. In like the fucking 60s. All time, yeah, but in our era. They have a fucking <laughs> stadium that fits more fans than any other stadium in the United States for football. I'm just going stadium size. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they they would definitely claim themselves as a football school. Houston basketball. I think, so, I think a lot of teams would rather be football. This, this, I don't even know what we're arguing. This is the stupidest thing ever. It would never work. It would ruin college sports. I would never – I would stop watching college sports. No, you wouldn't. Okay. Yes, I would. 100% no, I would. Wrong. Yeah. If yeah. I only get to watch – It's literally 32. what they're doing right now. No, it's not. You think they're going to limit – you think they're only going to take 18 and 18 like and Gonzaga, just that's it? Gonzaga is like very likely to join the Big 12 just because they're a basketball conference now. That's not even the same argument as what we're doing here. It kind of is. No, it's they not. Have a football team, though. No, but they actually like are supposedly going to join. And yeah, I understand that because they, they don't have, have a football because team. Because they don't have a football team. Like the Big East doesn't have football teams. Yeah, but they're going to add a bunch of football teams. No, terrible. This is awful. I'm fully done. <clears throat> this is the stupidest thing ever. Who's the first team we're talking about here? This yeah, is... good. let's get on with the because this that idea was awful. Should I'm we, sorry, Joey, but it was terrible. Should we uh, have the Maddie Fresh interview right away? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, if you don't know who Maddie Fresh is, you definitely do. You just don't know the name. Penn State Trace McSorley, the guy who sings the song. Um, yeah, he was nice enough to come on and uh, just chop it up about Penn State with us. Super cool dude. Really knew his shit about Penn State. We went fully into depth like we did with Iowa. Um, it was a super fun interview. Um, hopefully, we can have him again after uh, our um, whiteout game with Penn State early this year. But, um, yeah, please enjoy that interview. And, uh, yeah. 
All right, so now joining us for the breakdown of the Penn State Nitty Lions is none other than the man behind the hit songs, Jahan Dotson, Saquon Barkley, and, of course, Trace McSorley. Uh, hit him on his socials, Matty Fresh, on music platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and his YouTube. He's got XFL content. All of his music videos are on there, too. Uh, yeah, definitely check that out. But, uh, Matty Fresh, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Love talking college football. Uh, starting to get that feeling in the air, right? We hit early August. Nights start to get a little cooler, and we come out of the summer. And man, it's just there's nothing like it. Nothing like that build up to college football. And uh, glad to be here talking ball with you guys. No, I love that too. Uh, so many people talk about like how they hate for summer to end, but then you start getting that football weather, and like football season comes around, you're like, all right, let's go. Like I'm done with summer now. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, before we get into Penn State, I mean, just to learn more about you, I guess, uh, what was it like at the time, especially like Trace McSorley, like when that song like blew up, what was it like on campus and like all the energy, like just uh, it's like, I imagine it was crazy because like our freshman year, I think it was when that song came out and we had partied yep. to it and everything and we were Iowa fans like that, that song just went crazy. Like, I don't know what it was like at Penn State, like, what were the fans, like, how they react, like, just, if you could talk about that a bit. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys being day ones, because <laughs> something a lot of people don't know is that it took that song two years to really get where I wanted it to go. Um, you know, when you're younger and making music and you're in college, you know, you're thinking you're the shit, you're thinking you can take this really far, and, like, you know, it was only the second Penn State song I ever put out. I had a Saquon song the year before that that did really well and set the kind of bar for me. And that one, it was just – it was getting a lot of local attention. And I think ESPN shared it on their social media. This was back in, like, 2018 when I first dropped it. But then, like, after Trace left Penn State, you know, it kind of kind of found its place in, like, the, you know, the internet uh, eternal coffin where things just go to die and, like, they get shelved. And I was like, damn, like, I love this song. And I kind of came to a conclusion at some point in 2019 um, that, you know, I just had to be grateful for all the memories we had when it came out the year before that, because, you know, maybe it would just kind of be forgotten or, or at least the people that, you know, listen to it might keep listening. But I didn't think anything else would happen. And then we had the, the TikTok resurgence of it and that carried it to the next level and makes it kind of a staple and kind of defines, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm on the show because of it. Like it kind of defines everything about my brand. So, Hey, I'll, I'll ride with it. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And I remember when Trace McSorley came in for like the injured uh, Ravens quarterbacks and it just kind of had another blow up again. I'm like, shit. And uh, as soon as he came in, I was watching the game with my friends and they're just like, Oh, Joe, you're fucked now. Cause Trace McSorley's going in and, yeah, but, Wednesday um, night football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Wednesday night. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, COVID. But um, he literally just like became like all of our like favorite. Trace became like all of like our favorite players. It was like insane. Yeah. Like our freshman year of college. <laughs> well, that day, that that Wednesday night game, that was the peak of it as far as um daily like streams daily like across my channel like ever, and <laughs> that was like two months after the thing kind of started blowing up on TikTok when he actually got into the game. 
that thing peaked and I was, I, I was shocked at like <laughs> just the amount of like messages coming in and people calling and like reporters trying to get a hold of me for stories. And I don't think I really understood it because uh, my producer and I, we're just like, we made this song in a, in a dorm room closet. Like what is going on? Like we're not paying anybody. Like this is happening organically. Right. And that's, that's the most fun part about being a content creator, whether you make music or you make a podcast or whatever you do when something that you did organically, uh, you know, reaches the, that some like major labels can't buy that kind of like craziness on the internet. Right. So I loved it. Loved every minute of it. Uh, so Penn State, let's hop into them this year. Uh, James Franklin stepped in almost 10 years ago and uh, coming in this year. Or, I just watched an interview with him, I think, last week. And he said when he stepped in, obviously coming from Vandy, he like a bunch of people told him, they're like, hey, how, how the Penn State program was at the time. Uh, it was just in shambles. And they were telling him, they're like, hey, this is like a 10-year rebuilding project. And he comes in three years in. Um, believe wins the Big Ten, uh, makes it to the Rose Bowl. I mean, didn't win it, but ever since, he has four 11 win seasons. Uh, just won the Rose Bowl last year, and he's going into this year with, I think, his most talented roster since he's been there. Um, I just want to know what kind of the vibe is at Penn State around James Franklin, because like we're from Iowa, Kirk Ferentz is like damn near Jesus to us. But like, I just want to know like Penn State just. How do their fans feel about the guy in charge just being able to do this when a lot of people didn't think anybody could? Yeah, you touch on Ference too. It's kind of crazy. The first football game I ever went to in Beaver Stadium was a six to four loss to Iowa. That's Big Ten football yeah. in two thousand and four. And uh, I don't know. I mean, you bring a kid, you bring a kid to a six to four football game. I don't know how I turned out to be a football fan after witnessing that just complete disaster. But yeah, Kirk Ferentz has been around for a while, but uh, it's remarkable uh, what James Franklin has been able to do. And I think it really goes all the way back to Vanderbilt. Like maybe not a lot of people realize how much of a home run hire this is. Um, and, you know, it took him a while to get going, but of course it would like with the situation that he stepped into. And, and maybe some people didn't realize that, you know, obviously you have to win. It's a winning business. And there wasn't a lot of winning going on those first two seasons. But yeah, the third year, everything came together and Penn State was snubbed from the playoff. And it sucks that they were because that that's the only reason the jury might still be out on James Franklin is because there hasn't been a playoff bid. And you have one last shot this season with the four team model. Um, I don't think things are split within like actual passionate Penn State fans. I think there's always going to be like haters out there. I mean, there were people hating on Sean Clifford all of last year, and then he comes out and just dazzles in the Rose Bowl. And then, you know, here he is, what, fourth, fifth-round draft pick, and everyone's like, wow, he didn't even have a draftable grade. Like, there's always people within a fan base that can be toxic, right? I'm sure you guys see the same thing. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think James yeah, – right, it's everywhere. So, yeah. you know, you can't listen to those people. But, yeah, what James has done has been phenomenal. I love what's going on with the new athletic director, Pat Kraft. He's really got behind James, giving him what he wants. He has a football background. He's supporting it. I think the future is bright with him at the helm as far as um, leadership. And, yeah, man, it's it's exciting. But, you know, I've always been kind of cautiously optimistic. And I kind of like the years where Penn State comes in 
unranked, like 2016 unranked win the Big Ten title. I think they were 22-point dogs against Ohio State that night, end up winning the game. And then think about last year, also unranked, I think maybe closed as a super short favorite against Purdue, or some people thought they were going to lose that game, and it was really close. But, you know, they go on, they're 11-2, and two, they win the Rose Bowl after being unranked in the preseason. So I kind of like those years where there's no expectations, and this is not that year. This yeah. is the year that <laughs> – some of the publications are putting them as high as four or five. So it's, it's crazy. And I just hope that they can block all the noise out. And I think there's no better guy than Franklin to keep them on the right track. Yeah. No, you brought, you brought up Clifford earlier. I think Luke, you got a question about that kind of. Yeah. So it's weird because I always thought Clifford was the guy he won you games and he was like, you could always rely on him kind of, I was always curious to see how Penn state fans viewed him. Obviously you kind of hinted on that, but yeah, so kind of talk, how much you guys appreciate Sean Clifford if you didn't appreciate him. And now it's like, feels like it's time to start winning. Maybe now you guys are like, okay, Sean Clifford is great. We loved him. But now it's like Drew Aller can get us over the top. We feel like he's an elite quarterback, really high prospect. He's the guy that can get us to the playoffs and maybe win a championship. Oh, I beat the Sean Clifford drum forever. I mean, I almost beat that drum. I, love that. I beat Trace's drum. And the only difference is nobody was out there with me <laughs> in the moments with Sean Clifford when they just wanted to give up on him. Yeah. Um, listen, you guys saw that that Penn State-Iowa game in 2021. I'll never forget it. I mean, Sean goes out of that game, tries to come back the week after against Illinois. He's just busted up, can't play. No backup that's ready in that season. Penn State ends up going seven and six. And then coming into 2022, everybody was like, why don't we just get Drew in there? Like, and yeah, like in our whiteout game last season, uh, Sean throws a pick to start the game or, or misses a receiver or does something. And everybody's booing. And I'm just looking around. I'm going to start yelling at people like, what are we doing? He, he goes on like that game has four touchdown passes, almost 400 yards passing. Like he heard those boos. And it's it just crazy to me how, you know, I get fans are passionate. But, yeah, I mean, there there is that vibe that, like, okay, we're turning the corner now, right, that, like, Clifford had a ceiling. I don't know. I think that you guys would agree in covering the sport that the single best thing you can have is a returning starter at quarterback. And I would consider all these guys that are transferring as well returning starters, right? That counts. Drew Haller has never started at quarterback in college. So not that I'm doubting him, but I don't know yet. I, I really don't. And, and I wish him the best. And I, I hope that Penn State wins a national championship. But, you know, it's tough to, to have to replace a starting quarterback. And I think maybe some of our fans aren't realizing that. And, you know, hopefully there's no growing pains early. But if there is, it's okay. Right? It's expected. He's, he's a young kid. And uh, people are looking at the ceiling. The ceiling's very high, obviously. But, yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to it. And I was like, it's almost like, like, I was not the same situation, but, like, Pete just was just, the numbers weren't there. He just wasn't performing. But he was winning us games at the end of the day. So it's almost one of those situations, like, the grass isn't always greener. Trust me. Sean Clifford got it done, so don't be careful what you wish for. Like, yeah, I want this five-star, but not all five-stars work out. So you kind of got to be careful. But I hope he well, works. And sure I, you do too. 
I think we're forgetting too, uh, Drew Aller. I mean, he is only 19 years old. Uh, I watched an interview with him, and he seems like extremely mature for a 19 year old, which I think like a lot of these five star prospects are anymore. But I mean, yeah, that's a lot for a 19 year old, especially with the expectations Penn State has this year. But as you brought up the growing pains part, um, what's great about Penn State though is you have one of the most dynamic backfields in football right now. Uh, with Nick Singleton and Catron Allen both being freshmen last year, but were extremely efficient and like just played great football, having them return too, and you yeah got a top ten NFL draft pick on your O line, and what I heard a loaded tight end room. So I mean, yeah, Aller like might be young, has super high ceiling, but I also think maybe it it, it won't we won't have to worry about that as much until. You know, he has time. He has time to grow, get some starts under his belt because he has other guys to lean on. Yeah, I think it says a ton about James Franklin, too, like the type of guy that commits to Penn State, right? Like Drew Aller's girlfriend goes to Ohio State. Yeah. Right? He's from Ohio. They wanted him. Makes all the sense in the world, right? No, he ends up at Penn State. He's a program fit. Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. Uh, I'm not so sure that if this wasn't another program one of those guys wouldn't have just hit the portal and said hey i want to be the guy like they are both equally great running backs and ego did not get in the way and they both stayed and and there were times when not questioning them or anything but i just had to wonder like are both of these guys going to stick it out here in the same backfield because you know that transfer portal's calling and you know people are saying hey why don't you come here and just be the feature back well, then you have the other side saying, oh, it makes more sense for them to be that two-headed monster because they'll be more fresh when they go to the NFL, right? So I think we'll be able to keep Katron and Nick around. It's it's awesome to see that Penn State going into the 2023 season so well off at running back. I mean, probably as, as well off as since they had Barkley and Sanders as a one, two, which is wild to think about like both those guys shared a backfield as well with the success they've had in the NFL. So yeah. And in a great spot and those guys are super young and got a ton of experience last year and they run hard and they're both super humble. And uh, I'm excited, excited for that backfield, that T formation, right? (laughs) I mean, you look across the big 10, even you got Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards and Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. And then even, I mean, Alabama forever just had stable backs. I mean, maybe not, last year as much but um yeah it's the two running back systems really worked in college as well as the nfl so yeah i mean like you said credit to franklin for keeping that together um and kind of mike garisich as well the offensive coordinator um i'm not gonna lie i was very critical of him and and i won't lie either like i did beat the clifford drum a while but obviously as a fan there's points where you're critical of sometimes your favorite guys like you have to be and yeah like I'm sure I've had a couple things to say about Clifford when he had a bad game. I've had a lot of things to say about Mike Yersich in 2021 when Penn State did not have a 100-yard rusher at all <laughs> in any game. And then you bring these two guys in, and the offense completely changed. Whatever Mike Yersich did, whether it was sleepless nights for months on end, like saving his own ass saying, okay, like not good. Like Penn State was like 115th in the country in rushing in 2021. They turned that around. I think they were – damn near top 15 or top 20 last year. So like total transformation of the run game with Mike Yersich. And you have to remember too, like Aller's his guy. Like a lot of Penn State fans were saying, oh, the only reason James Franklin, who fired Kirk Shiraka back in 2020 after one season, 
<laughs> as an OC. The only reason he kept Yersich around is because of Drew Aller. I don't know if that's true, but like, yeah, Yersich has been on Aller forever. Like, I think that's the reason Aller came. He, he loves Yersich and he loves the quarterbacks that Mike Yersich has worked with at Ohio State, at Texas, at Oklahoma State. Like, he's had some studs. So uh, I'm confident. And then you got Manny Diaz on the other side of the ball who, what a hire that was. Like, I just think Franklin has a tendency. And even going back to like Joe Moorhead, right, in 2016 when the in 17 when the offense was putting up 45 a game, like he makes great hires for his assistants. And he's kind of like the CEO and he kind of like runs the show. And I just, he's all business. I love it. I love Manny Diaz. And I know the feeling of trying to stick with a quarterback. I was asked Joey, I've tried to defend like Spencer Petras at Iowa for so long. Even at the bar, you like went up to him. You're like, dude, I (laughs) I'm trying to fight for you. Yeah, really. It's not easy, especially when they're just not winning games for you and stuff like that. But at least Sean Clifford was winning and, you had some guys. I don't. I can maybe name ten to twenty guys Iowa fans that liked Spencer Petras. So I know <laughs> what it's like. It it is rough out there against your own fan base, which makes it even yeah. worse. Yeah, there's always going to be that, and it's part of it. And it's kind of fun, you know. Sometimes it can it can it can make for a good discussion. And um, oh yeah, like there's been a ton of Penn State fans who have blocked me and, and said I have Clifford propaganda, <laughs> and you know. I'm, <laughs> I got the Clifford goggles on. Like, it's crazy. You know, the guy, he ends up a Green Bay Packer, which is my favorite NFL team, crazy enough. Oh, by the and, way, um, you know, you guys listening, uh, you actually wrote a song about Aaron Rodgers, like, please stay in Green Bay. Yeah. I've listened to it. It is so funny. Yeah. Please go check that out for him. Dude, yeah, but- people forget that everyone's, like, on me now, like, oh, this didn't work. I'm like, oh, like, this came out before 21 season. It did work. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were trying to get him back and, like, it's crazy now to think Sean Clifford literally took Aaron Rodgers' locker. It's like total 360. But yeah, yeah I mean, never. let's just say I've never been less excited for an NFL season. So I'm putting all my marbles in college football this year as a nice, Packers fan. Nice. <laughs> um, you kind of hinted at the defense earlier. I mean, you got studs all around. So you got Chop Robinson, who could possibly be a first-round pick. Uh, he's a second-team All-American. You have a great linebacker group. I heard one of the best in the country. And then Kalen King, he's a preseason first-team All-American. So that's three huge guys uh, returning back. You lost like a guy like my guy, Joey Porter Jr. to the NFL. Um, uh, your safety, um, shit, I forget his name. But, uh, I mean, what it sounds like, though, is you're going to be able to replace them fairly well. And uh, it's kind of it's going to be like another year of great defense. Yeah, it's kind of wild. We lost Joey Porter and Tig Brown. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I still think Penn State has the best secondary in the country. I know that'll come off biased, but you will find people who agree that aren't Penn State fans. This is the best secondary in the country. It's the deepest secondary in the country. And it's wild when you think about how this season might set up, right? J.J. McCarthy kind of proved himself as a passer yeah, last that's what year. I, that, like when we get to Michigan in our breakdown, I'm going to bring that up. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a big McCarthy believer. Yeah, and – Obviously, Michigan ran for about 900 yards on Penn State last year. <laughs> but, like, think about Ohio State. Same situation as Penn State with a new quarterback coming in. Um, how's that going to be? You know, Stroud struggled at times in that game last year against the Penn State secondary. So, yeah, I mean, w- when you're able to, th- like, throw what Manny Diaz throws with this 4-2-5, sometimes a 4-1-6 look, 
it's just insane with the amount of DBs that they have and, and guys that are kind of like linebacker safety hybrids too that can just nail you, kind of like a Marcus Allen type. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I love Marcus Porter, Allen. Yeah, like just one of those guys that is will forever be remembered in college football for what he did. And like, yeah, but to lose Porter and to lose uh, Jair Brown and to still have the guys coming back, like Kalen King's just next up. Like he's probably going to be a top corner uh, in next year's draft. So I, I'm so excited about the defense and the D line has just got so much better and so much deeper. And there's some sophomores up, up front that are just going to be dogs up front. And yeah, I don't think the defense is going to be a problem. I think the defense. Um, the, the defense will carry this team and, and create a lot of turnovers and create a lot of good field position. Um, so if you want to, you kind of want to dive into the schedule a bit. I'm kind of going to skip around, but uh, first off, West Virginia, um, I think they're going to be terrible. Like their coach is on the hot seat, but is that any way like a rivalry? Like I know West Virginia and Pitt have like a big rivalry, but like, do you guys dabble into that at all? Uh I mean, not in my lifetime. Yeah, and yeah, I'm that's what I going, thought. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so. I mean you'll, you'll talk to some alum, you know, from like 60s, 70s, 80s, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It probably got pretty bad, but no, I don't think so. I mean, it's been, it hasn't been in my lifetime that Penn State's played West Virginia. So, I mean, nothing but maybe a little geographical thing. And they'll have a lot of fans come in, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, that's one of those weird games, right? Where it's like Penn State's favored by like 40 points or like whatever, 20 points. And it just seems like, it'll probably be closer than everybody thinks it'll be. Um, obviously happy Valley at night's a, a different animal, but yeah, I mean, I, it, it's okay. Like if Penn state wins that game by six or seven points, I don't care. That's fine. Like, I just want to, I want to go one and oh, like, I know it's a Franklin thing. Like he pushes that, but nobody was mad last year when they just beat Purdue by a couple points. Yeah. Like that was a relief at the beginning of the season. Like you're just trying to survive. Right. And, uh, West Virginia is still a power five team as far as I'm concerned. And <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> that's more than Michigan could say. So, um, but yeah, then you have games like at Illinois versus Iowa. I think we five wide out. Um, instead of like asking you like how you feel about those games, I just want to ask what is a Penn state wide out? Like, like if I had like the money to go, I definitely would. Um, Penn state wide outs. That's just one of the greatest things in college sports. Um, just, Tell us, like, what a night game is like at uh, Penn State. Yeah, and it's it's really best told through, like, a story. Uh, <laughs> 2016, obviously, the, the blocked field goal return for a touchdown against Ohio State. Um, I was in the, like, seventh or eighth row. It was my sophomore year of college. And kids are literally getting pinned against the railing, trying to storm the field. People are picking people up and just throwing them over the railing because nobody can get down, and it's just an avalanche coming down. I mean, if you go back and watch the field storming, there's literally bodies falling everywhere <laughs> out of the stands, and nobody, everybody just got up and sprinted down the field, and I think we all felt it the next day. But, yeah, what Penn State's able to do, I think uh, Reese Davis said once, it's monochromatic mayhem. That, that was so cool how he described it like that. I don't think I've ever felt more part of something where like you actually feel like you have an impact where when you're watching a game from home, you're just like, whether you have bets in that you're sweating or whether you just feel helpless to the situation, like when there's false start after false start yeah, in that game. stadium during that, like you actually, like I've never felt more 
like part of something and I've played sports like where I was actually part of it. And I like everybody just on the same page, you know, for a moment there, it, it, it's really special. And I encourage you guys to come out this year. Maybe, I mean, what yeah. better chance? I actually remember when I was, I don't know, probably nine or 10, maybe a little older. Um, Penn state hosted Iowa for a whiteout. This must've been like 2009. It was probably the last time Iowa played in a whiteout at Penn state. And it was Ricky Stanzi. Oh my God. I hate Ricky Stanzi with <laughs> all my heart. He's the goat. He's the goat. And, and Adrian Wayborn blocked a yeah. punt. It was like, it was such a typical Penn state, Iowa game it was like 15 to six. You guys won. Penn state was ranked number four in the country. And I think Iowa ruined back-to-back seasons for Penn State in 08 and 09. But I have bad memories of that because not only that, but it was pouring rain the entire night. And everybody was just miserable that this was supposed to be the revenge game. And, uh, yeah, I don't think Iowa – usually the whiteouts, Ohio State or Michigan. Right, yeah. So it'll be interesting. I can tell you that um, Penn State fans do not forget – that 2021 Iowa game. Like there was a lot that boiled over after that game uh, with some of the comments that Ference made, Franklin kind of shot back at him. Uh, you know, some of the, the, the talk that was going on after like whatever happened with the players being injured and then like fans booing all that has kind of created and what they didn't, they didn't play last year. Right. No. From the, yeah, so there you go. Like it's built up since 2021, and Penn State fans have always felt like Iowa is just a thorn in the ass <laughs> and just constantly ruins our season. And it's true. Like it's been true. Like they just get those opportunistic wins, and it's crazy to think that 2021 game was what number three against number two. Yeah. And yeah, I mean Iowa, if they come out swinging this year, you're kind of in the position that Penn State was in last year. Not going to get a lot of love in the preseason and that's perfectly fine. It doesn't matter. Still have a great team. Um, great defense, of course, as usual. And, and the ability to, to come in there and, and probably be unbeaten, right? Like who's, is there anybody that I was going to be an underdog to before that game? Maybe Iowa state. I don't know, but we should, we should be. <laughs> they might not have back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think we're favored right now, but I don't know by the time yeah. when it comes, but. I could see them taking care of that game. And yeah, I mean, Penn state doesn't really have anybody that scares me the first couple of weeks. So, I mean, Illinois is like a weird game to have to go there. Um, But no, I think that could be what probably four and O versus four and O should be and a cool way to kind of usher in big 10 play on uh, CBS at <laughs> seven 30. It's going to be a weird one, but yeah. Uh, we're kind of running low on time, but I'll try to like skip through the, thing uh so yeah northwestern and umass two bye weeks and then that's leading into ohio state so i mean that'll be very helpful going into that game and then you have at maryland right before michigan and like they've said like maryland they're a sneaky team on their own with talia but going there right before your michigan game i mean trying to come out alive from that ohio state michigan um kind of situation hopefully you beat the rest of the teams but what like what are you kind of thinking? Like, uh, are you more confident against Ohio State after those two like uh, so uncalled you know bye weeks, or um, it's like Ohio the you know Maryland Michigan game? My bad. Right after Maryland, like that's that's just terrible scheduling for you guys. But 
Yeah, any Penn State fans that listen to this will push back at me for this. Penn State 100% has a better chance to beat Ohio State this year than Michigan. There's no question. <laughs> Michigan's going to be 9-0 and coming into Happy Valley and like without really having a major test. And that's crazy to think that they play their first eight or nine games and they might be favored by two touchdowns in every single one of them. Like November for Michigan, is they're going to be well-rested for that. And Harbaugh will be back. Ohio State does not have that luxury. I think they have to go to Wisconsin. Like, they have some weird games in, in, in September and early October. And Penn State, think about it. You just said Northwestern, UMass, coming out of that Iowa game, if they can get a W there, you're talking about 30 days potentially where you'll go out, you'll you'll play Northwestern, and then you come back, you basically have a scrimmage against UMass and then a bye week. <laughs> so, you know, if, if Penn State can take those 30 days that they'll have to prepare for Ohio State, I think they can come out with a win in the shoe for, hell, the first time since probably 2011. I, I think that's the last time they won there. It's tough to win there. Uh, yeah, then I guess just last question. Um, so you might have said it earlier, but so like at Iowa, we have like that one thing that we bitch about or coach about, like play, calling, whatever. Like what's the one thing Penn State fans just fucking hate about James Franklin? The playoff. That's it. That, that's literally it. <laughs> Wow. It, it's a good thing to be. That's a I don't good care. Yeah, like they don't care about the, the the New Year Six Bowl wins. They don't care about the Big Ten championship. Like it, it, that's it. It's it's been you can't get to the playoff. And you think about some of the teams that have made the playoff. Like Michigan State made the playoff that one year. Got absolutely dusted by Alabama. Didn't even have a chance. Uh, there's been some weird teams. Like Florida State has made the playoff. Washington has made the playoff. Like. And it seems like we don't even remember sometimes that those teams were in, but like, it's so different at Penn state where it's like, you know, that's the only reason the jury's out, but there, there are a lot of really knowledgeable fans in our fan base who, who kind of reject that. And it's like, it's so hard to be the top four when you run the program, the way Penn state does. I mean, you listen to that James Franklin interview, one of the most resonating things that he said was yeah, with NIL, the schools that were already paying players are now just doing it legally. Like, yeah, that's always kind of been a Penn State tradition. It's the same way at Iowa, where it's like, we're not going to do that. We don't have to do that. We're just going to we're going to win with core values and we're going to win with tradition and we're going to do things our way, you know, and, and some of the SEC schools just will never be that way. So, yeah, no, that's that, that's that's the only thing. It, it's the playoff and, and they could make it this year. I think they, they have their best chance since 2016, 2017 to make it this season. Well, uh, I mean, we're. I think under about 30 seconds until our zoom call ends, but thank you so much for joining, man. It was a great to meet you and uh, everybody listening. Please go follow him on all of his socials. Uh, listen to his music, watch his YouTube. Um, yeah. Just thank you again. Thanks for having me guys. September 23rd should be fun. <laughs> yeah. Best of luck. <laughs> all right. We'll see you. See ya. Okay. Uh, Penn state. We we're gonna just talk a little bit about him after we had uh, Maddie on, but um, Logan, I mean, you can give your two cents on how you feel about Penn State. <clears throat> yeah, I like Penn State. I mean, it's a team that obviously <clears throat> well coached, obviously every single year. They have a good quarterback. Like they haven't had one in a while. Like not really a while, but not like as one as hyped as Drew Aller is gonna be. Uh, two really good running backs. Both were freshmen last year. Probably gonna have a good defense. It's just how kind of how Penn State is. So I like Penn State a lot. I think they'll fly under the radar like they have been with how good Ohio State and Michigan have been recently. I think they'll do the same thing, but they're going to be right at the top like they always are. Yeah, I mean, last year, I think everybody forgets that they won a Rose Bowl. 
And now that they're upgrading literally everywhere, have NFL talent across, I think, every single position group for the most part, other than maybe like wide receiver. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how the Nittany Lions do this year. Yeah, you get like good value with them, obviously, with the because they're you have Ohio State and Michigan who are such big uh, odds really to win. So you get the good value with them. Uh, it's like six plus 600 to win their uh, conference, obviously. And obviously, if you're taking Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan, you take them to win the conference, not their division, because it's just they're probably going to win the turn. They're the Big Ten championship game, anyways. But yeah, I, th- I think there's only, only three teams. It's a three team race in that division. And obviously, you're going to take Penn State, but not bad, especially then you get 22 to one for the title, which is honestly very good considering they're supposed to finish third in their conference. If you really look at it, the teams ahead of them. Other than Ohio State, Michigan, there's LSU, USC, Clemson, Florida State. LSU, if they weren't in Georgia, Alabama, they would be favored to win the conference. USC is favored to win the conference. Clemson's favored to win their conference. Florida State's right behind them. And then Texas is also tied with them. They're favored to win their conference. They're third, and they have the same odds. They're telling you Penn State's going to be really good this year. Pretty simple. Just like You just look at odds, it's telling you what to do. And Drew Aller at 25-1, to 1, if they win their conference, there's a probably a big reason it's Drew Aller. Or maybe a singleton even at and you get singleton at what's his 50, 50 to one. So I mean it, it's I said it with the other teams. If you're in on Penn State, go in on these guys to win their like Heisman and stuff because the the respect they're gonna get by beating Michigan and Ohio State and Drew Aller as a freshman, he's gonna get so much uh praise, I guess, by the media and everything. He's probably redshirt freshman, I guess not freshman, he, but he played like a little bit last year. I guess you can't redshirt, yeah. But it's just insane what you you can get these guys value at if you actually think these guys are going to be the this team that would beat Ohio State, Michigan. Should we hop into Ohio State? Yeah. So Ohio State, um, I mean, they a lot of people forget they're a field goal away from essentially winning the national championship this year, assuming that since Georgia beat the living breaks off of TCU, Ohio State just barely losing to Georgia. I mean, I would imagine they could have done the same thing. Their wide receivers obviously going to be unreal. And you like think about like those old Alabama receiving groups. I think that those receiving groups got a lot more praise after college, like once they got drafted and like did their things in the NFL with this Ohio state group. I think like there's no wide receiver group. I think that has had as much hype as this group and maybe like last year's is only wide receiver group. I can really think where you look at a, a team in the preseason and you're just like, Holy fuck. And, uh, Cade Stover at tight end too. Cade Stover is an elite tight end and people just don't even think about them because they're a top three receiver. I mean, even four, if you want to go there, they're just going nuts. <laughs> Funny story about Cade Stover last year, you know, they go on break during like winter break. He got injured bailing hay on Christmas. I mean, this guy, he's just, I mean, if, like, everybody shit on Ohio State for toughness, but, I mean, maybe this guy can put some of that in them. But uh, Brian Hartline, if you remember Brian Hartline, he's a little white receiver from uh, the Dolphins, and he has been their wide receivers coach for a long time now, and he's now their offense coordinator. Their old offense coordinator, he went to the Baltimore Ravens to essentially commit career suicide, but uh, nonetheless talking college football. Um, they lost both offense tackles and their center. So I think that's where Ohio State, if you're going to have any question marks about their team, that's where it's going to be. And 
when you look at CJ Stroud last year, he really didn't run the ball at all because he, for the most part, he had a clean pocket. I mean, his two tackles were fucking awesome. But then you see the Georgia game where he faced like the best pass rush you can get in college football, and he was running everywhere, and everyone's like, "Holy shit!" You know, CJ Stroud, this guy actually has some wheels and like can get it done. You know, if he needs to escape the pocket, but replacing like that's why I'm getting to my point here is that replacing the two, two of the best tackles in football along with their center. I think that could be a huge problem for them. Um, but yeah, going to the quarterback, Kyle McCord, I think, yeah, I mean, he's got to be the favorite to get the lead role. Marvin Harrison's quarterback in uh, high school. Um, talk about their backfield too. Travion Anderson, Maya Williams, top three, probably uh, backfield in college football defense. They improved a shit ton. I think, think they're getting rated like the best uh, linebacker core in college football. And their defense back situation, their DB situation last year was the biggest problem of their team. But historically, everybody keeps talking about it. If you look at all their corners, historically, their freshman and sophomore year, if they get playing time, they just never are able to produce at like an elite level. Come their junior year, they're straight to the NFL. When, I mean, when you talk about um, Denzel Ward, uh, I think Marshawn Lattimore, um, like a couple more guys too, they just – can't name them off the top of my head. But, yeah, now they have a great class of, like, big-time recruits coming into their junior year. They really think they're going to flip it around. And uh, we're, what's nice, too, is we're really going to find out how good this defense is early versus Notre Dame. Sam Hartman obviously being a huge name at quarterback, and they have a great running game. So, yeah, um, that's, that's, like, at least with all these question marks, we're going to find out pretty early how big of a problem it's going to be going forward. Yeah. I mean, the thing is Ohio state's always had talent on defense, right? It's just, they just haven't been able to put it together. Like you list a couple names and they've had outside of the corner position, they've had studs come out into the NFL, but their offensive line. Yeah. They made a loss some guys, but I still think they're supposed to be like top three or top five in the country. They're still going to be that, that good. Like every ranking I've saw, seen of top of the top offensive lines, they're right up there in the top five. So if that's falling off, that's a good spot to be. That's fair. And the biggest thing, if you think they have four got four guys in the top twenty in Heisman odds, uh, that's insane on one team, and one's a backup quarterback. <laughs> that has that that tells you how good um like these receivers are, and this offense is going to be that they have a guy that's probably not even going to be a starter. He might not play a single snap of a meaning meaningful game, and he's in the top twenty in Heisman odds. Who is it, by the way? Devin Brown. Oh, okay, yeah. I I guess I've only like researched McCord, but like he's in front of obviously these guys aren't quarterbacks. But he's in front of Judkins, Singleton, all the Alabama quarterbacks, Rattler, like Brock Bowers, I, like Braylon Allen, Cameron Rising, all these guys. He's ahead of them, and he's not even gonna be a starting quarterback. <laughs> that's it's actually crazy to think that that's how po- explosive and powerful this offense is, and as always has been. And going to the running back situation. Uh, Brandon Walker said it best. Trayvon Henderson was arguably the best running back in the Big Ten before he got hurt. Like, I yeah, say which one about Corum, say which one about uh, Donovan Edwards, those guys. But and really, really any running back in the Big Ten, there's so many good ones. Trayvon Henderson was the guy going into last year, like that everyone's talking about how good he was. So, and you obviously Marvin Harrison, you obviously like Buka, like these other studs. Marvin Harrison at 20 to one. Obviously it's tough for a wide receiver to win the Heisman, but I think if anyone can do it, like Devontae Smith, it's him because his 
Hartline's the offense coordinator now. I think this offense could just skyrocket even to depths we haven't seen. It's crazy. And I know they lose the, probably their best quarterback they've had in a long time. Like I really think he was uh, in CJ Stroud. But when you got the weapons, you got um, a good offensive line, you got running backs behind you. Like you just got to go out there and just play solid football and they're going to get open. That's another thing I see. Stroud didn't have to run the ball. These wide receivers are getting open. Like it's, it's easy because you don't even guard them. So I love I love Ohio State. They're probably when we get to it, they'll probably be my pick to win it. But yeah, everything about them you can say like, but it's just still I keep going back to that. Devin Brown is tw- top twenty in Heisman. He's not even a starting quarterback. Wild. Yeah, because I don't think they've officially confirmed that McCord is going to be like the starter yet. Because they said Devin Brown, obviously Devin Brown, like Luke just said, but I mean I'm always going to be an Ohio State guy, really, because like it's hard to hate Ohio State. Unless you're like a Michigan fan, but the only weakness that this team will have, like their defense, like we've been saying, is never like great because of like they have the big names though. But like this offense is gonna be if the only weak spot they gotta worry about is quarterback. If the quarterback play is bad, then they might not be that great of a team. But it's not hard to be a good quarterback when you have arguably one of the greatest wide receiver like recruits and like prospect of all time in Marvin Harrison, supposed to go possibly t- like top two. But he's a wide receiver, like so he could fall. But I like they're I this is my favorite to win the Big Ten. Cost to win it all. I already have a future on it for them to win it all. I put it in last year. So I love Ohio State. I'm always gonna love them. So yeah, I'm thinking big things from Ohio State, possible championship contender. So yeah, we talked about this with uh Maddie Fresh too, like where Drew Aller, yeah, he's coming in as a you know, unexperienced quarterback. But when you have that strong of a backfield too, that opens up so much. And what McCord or you know the other guy will have over um, fucking Aller is that he has a best receiving cord football. So yeah, it, even if he's not that great, even if he's like maybe not a game manager because they can really take the top off you. That's where Ohio State's so dangerous. But I mean, you know, just above average. Like I don't think he's gonna need to blow anybody's socks off to be like considered like a top quarterback. Yeah, I mean, we're really thinking. When was the last time? Ohio State had a bad college quarterback. Oh yeah, my bad for not even bringing that up. That's <laughs> that's a great. I got point. them all right here. Literally, their last how many? C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins, J.T. Barrett, Cardell Jones, Braxton Miller. Regardless of how their NFL career is, when I talk about the NFL right now, these guys in college were like unbelievable. They're one and done. Too. They're, they they start one year and they're gone. Like they're literally. They're just- they're saying uh, Ryan Day, since his time in Boston College, he's only had one quarterback that stayed for two years during his uh, college, like, coaching career. He had fields for two, didn't he? Yeah, but wasn't he, like, maybe hurt or something? Or there, I remember somebody bringing it up, and, like, there was, like, an asterisk by it, like, the two-year thing. Yeah, I know, because I know they had fields for two, because he went to a championship and then went to the playoffs, and then they had Stroud for two. But like Haskins, when Haskins there, he came out of nowhere and just lit up. And he was in New York because he threw for yeah, fifty touchdowns. The JT Barrett, I thought was a horrible quarterback, but he's in Ohio State offense. Cardell Jones was a third string, and he got him to the champ. He won a championship with him. And Braxton Miller was not a good quarterback either, but he's in this Ohio State uh, mix. And the wide receivers you get around them, the talent you get around them, the play calling, everything, they're going to be good quarterbacks. It's insane. This is probably the first time. They've had a white quarterback in the history of Ohio State football, though. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, should we hop into Michigan? Yep. 
So Michigan, they're this is so weird. I I think I'm gonna say it just because you know put my balls on the chopping block here. But Michigan, they're my favorite to win the national championship. Uh, they're gonna have an unreal offense line, if not the number one, and a dominant dominant ground game, obviously with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, which is also possibly the number one uh, running back group in college football. Um, JJ McCarthy's girlfriend. Wow. Um, you talk, <laughs> she was all over ESPN in that game that they had versus, uh, TCU. But, um, I mean, you talk about other quarterbacks that, you know, have the same situation. That's just a loaded group of quarterbacks, but, um, yeah, everybody hated on JJ McCarthy for not being able to throw the deep ball when he played against Ohio state, Purdue in the big 10 championship. And then TCU, he like took off the top of the defense time and time again, and it's not like he's got this wide receiver group or, you know, like the same weapons as like other quarterbacks and really just aired out or even like the offense necessarily. But Cornelius Johnson, their wide receiver, he's back. He's paired with Roman Wilson, who had 100 yards versus CCU. And Colson Loveland, their tight end, he's ranked amongst the best tight ends in college football this year. Um, their defense was unreal until TCU came to town. Um, their front seven is, again, going to be a problem. Uh, they're... Offense, I mean, I brought this up before, and Luke fucking hate it, but their offense did give up two pick sixes and failed to score three times in the goal line in that game versus TCU. So, I mean, I think Michigan, if they don't fucking, like, just beat themselves, is going to be a huge thing. But the number one reason why I'm so in on Michigan, they are ranked second in the country, including G5 teams, in returning production. I think it's 77% of their guys that played last year. They're bringing them back. And when you look to the NFL draft, they lost like a DB. They lost Mozzie Smith and maybe a person that I'm just like not even thinking of right now, but they really didn't lose that much. And it, I mean, I, I just think that with a team after losing the way that they did, like how much experience they have all across the field. If you have faith in JD McCarthy, like I do, I just think this team could, I mean, they're, right there on the doorstep of winning a national championship. And this year I'm buying into it. I put 10 bucks on the future to, and I normally don't put, you know, that much money in bet on bets, but I mean, it's plus 900 or that's what I got it at at least. And um, I think bang for your buck, at least Michigan is like my number one team for betting on. If you're going after national championship futures. I mean, they're fourth and odds eight to one. They're obviously one of the best teams to make it. No doubt about that. Uh, the thing is with J.J. McCarthy is he's the reason they lost that game. Yeah. That, like, that's the thing. Um, and, and going back to throwing the deep ball, I don't think there was guys in those in that Ohio State game, I don't think there was guys within 10 yards of those receivers when he threw them deep, like when he threw it deep to them. They're, they were so wide open. It was insane. But that's a credit to him being, like, showing that, Either you're going to be up, like, if you're going to come up and make me throw it deep, I'll throw it deep, which he did. And they made some plays, the wide receivers did too, like, after the catch. But that's beside the point. He still played really well. But, yeah, you go back to that championship game is he's the reason they lost, and there's no way around it. Maybe their defense could have got some stops, but you give up that many – you give two offensive touchdowns, it's like defense can't do anything about that. So, And, obviously, Corum wasn't healthy at the end of the year. That's a big – that that hurt them too. Probably, I mean, Donovan Edwards is still a really good running back, but Blake Corn was a Heisman. He would have been in New York, maybe even wanted if he would have been healthy all year. So, and they get obviously you say the production they get back. It's just, and they're home against Ohio State this year, which is huge. 
So obviously that's a has plus going for him. And yeah, I, there's nothing there's nothing you can really say bad about Michigan because if you were gonna talk shit about them, then you would have to say they weren't good last year when obviously they were good last year. They won the Big Ten, beat Ohio State, um, and probably should have probably was we're the second or third best team in the country anyways. So it's tough to say anything bad about these guys. And Harbaugh's got them right where he wants them. Yeah, they're rolling at the perfect time with a ton of experience, like you said. That uh, The biggest thing is that offensive line has won the whatever their award's called the last two years and probably going to win it again. So something great that if you're buying it on Michigan. <clears throat> and the, But the other thing is with Michigan, it's almost different than like Ohio State and like a Penn State. If you're going to believe in these guys, go in with their um, quarterbacks and go in with their guy. McCarthy's probably not winning the Heisman. Blake Corn maybe, but I don't think they really have any Heisman guys on this team. They're just a really good group all around. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I hate Michigan because I, I love Ohio State. I love the receivers and, like, quarterbacks that they've had. So I hate Michigan. and But I can't say that they're going to be bad when you return 77% of your guys, both your running backs. But I hate – I don't think J.J. McCarthy is as good as people say he is. I think he's very good at running, and he's very good at – handing it off to his running backs that, and he has the best of line. I don't think JJ McCarthy himself is like a great quarterback. I think he just fits Michigan system really well. So I can't say they're going to be bad though, because they're still going to be probably it's going to come down to that game against Ohio state. Like that's how it's going to be because they return 70% of guys. O line's going to be good. They're going to run the ball. They're going to do the same thing they did last year. And it's going to work. Cause obviously it worked last year. So I wish I could say they were going to suck and they're going to be overrated, but it's hard to say that. I will say, though, um, if we've learned anything the last couple of years of college football is you don't need the best quarterback in the country to win a championship. Right. Yeah. Or to win a championship. Like, when, like how many times, like, CJ Stroud was probably is a, was one of the best quarterbacks Ohio State's had. They never they didn't win. Bryce Young was by far probably the best or, or quarterback that I think Bama's had in a while. Maybe Tua. He never won a championship. Like, these guys that are, like, Caleb Williams, like, the Kyler Murray, like, Baker Mayfield, all these really good quarterbacks didn't win championships. It's these guys that go in and do their job and play football the right way to win that are end up winning the national championship these last how many years? It's obviously you have those Trevor Lawrence's, you have the Deshaun Watsons, but Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. But there's times where you don't you don't have the best quarterback in the country, and even Trevor Lawrence was the best quarterback in the country. He didn't win the Heisman, so and Deshaun Watson too. So it's crazy that you're saying that we're saying this in a sport that it feels like is really dominant. If you have a good quarterback, you can be really good, but that's not the case for championship. If you have a really good team, you run the ball well, you get stops, and like Georgia has in the last year, how many years, they put Stetson Bennett in positions to win and he gets it done. So that's really all it takes. If you can put J.J. McCarthy in spots and positions where he just has to make a play or two at at the right time, you're going to win a championship. No, you're totally right. I mean, every national championship quarterback, for the most part, they're guys who they they just don't – they, there's obviously some that will win you games, but there are ones that don't shoot themselves in the foot and lose it for games. And that, like you said before, J.J. McCarthy did that in the TCU game. If they can just get this kid, like, with a fucking leash on him or a harness, like, when shit starts going, you know, south, I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's, I and I feel like I am confident in that this year. I don't think... Like, getting another year under his belt. I mean, he's a fucking five-star quarterback, for Christ's sakes. Like, he's got to have, like, the talent to be able to be a great quarterback. It's just, if, like you said, put him in the right situation. Like, just, I don't know, just maybe not be more conservative because he's about as conservative as you get as a quarterback. 
but like when you need to make plays, like I you just keep them clean and I don't know. But so you were undefeated last year. You made you won you beat Ohio State again. You won the Big Ten. You yeah, you lost to TCU. You shouldn't change a goddamn thing of what you've been doing with the, right. like the kid or the entire team. Run it back. Fake, like you were fine last year. You just slipped up in probably your biggest game of the season, but obviously you get another year of experience under you and that, that might not happen this time. Cause you know, you got that experience. You've been in this situation before twice now. So it's like, now it's just getting over that hump. That's, and that's the thing with Michigan. It's people say what you want. Okay. They've been, they haven't won the championship. They had really good teams last year, but it's just getting over that hump. Getting there is one thing. Like they said it too. The first year they were kind of like celebrating. They're like, oh, we're happy to be here. Last year, they're like, okay, no, we're not just to be here. They lost, but now they all have been there too. So you have a whole entire roster that has gone through, happy to be here in the playoffs. We need to get to the championship. And now you're probably at that level where it's like, we don't win the championship. It's a completely bust of a season. And so that's, that's a really good thing. And that's exactly why I'm all over Michigan this year. Like, when, as soon as I saw that they're second in the nation returning production, I'm like, I'm fucking in. Like, it's like, this is these like you said, these are the same guys that have been through this like roller coaster of like, you know, just beating Ohio state twice, but then never getting it done in the big game, especially like the two teams they played. Um, so they, yeah, they played TC last year, the year before was at Georgia where they just crammed it down their fate. Like their whole yeah, line just collapsed. Yeah, yeah. When they all wore their shirts that said like something run the, in the, run the damn run the ball. Damn ball. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. they just couldn't run the ball. But yeah, it's like, there's levels to get it, to be in a championship. Look at Georgia. They had they made the playoffs a few years. Took them a little bit to get over the hump. Luke, I can't wait to talk about Georgia because if you go over the years where Georgia didn't win, it's literally the craziest shit. Like Georgia, it's it's honestly surprising that they haven't had more national championships since just the past two years. Like just that other shit that happened in college football is just there was no stopping. And yeah, it's it's awesome. That's the thing. I mean, I don't. We don't need to talk about Georgia too much, but relating to Michigan, Georgia was there twice. They were there and they blew it pretty much twice. Yeah, twice with Jake Fromm, both times. I think they were in that. They're in that playoff situation, and they blew it. it. Feels like they should have won a championship in there, and they didn't. Michigan is the exact same way. I feel like they're in that spot. Probably the first year they weren't supposed to because they played Georgia, but last year they should have been there. They, people were picking them to win it. So it's getting over that hump like Georgia did. And they have a similar build, it feels like, where you you build around like that. You run the ball really well. Maybe you don't have the best quarterback, but they have a good quarterback, a better quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, and they have good defense, good line. No, it's like, so a crazy, it's like a crazy front seven. Like the secondary is whatever, but their front seven is just you can't – they just suffocate the fuck out of you. Good comparison to these those early Georgia teams that were struggling to get over the hump and figure it out. And eventually Kirby Smart figured it out. Maybe Harbaugh will get there too. Perfect. Uh, next we have Wisconsin, but our Zoom call is about to end, so we'll be right back. Okay, now the Wisconsin Badgers. So Luke Fickle is coming from Cincinnati to Wisconsin. Probably the best like coaching move, I think, around the nation, if you're talking head coach at least. Uh, they also got North Carolina's offense coordinator, Phil Longo, so the thing with Phil Longo is you think of Drake May, what he did, being able to be like kind of in an air raid system, which Luke Fickle is an air raid system type of coach. But if you look at years before Drake May, you have just a stable of 
North Carolina running backs who made it to the league, like Javante Williams, um, Miles Carter. There's more, too. I mean, those are just the ones that come to mind right away. But Phil Longo, yeah, I mean, whether it's running the ball or passing the ball, he's a great offense coordinator. I imagine if he does as good of a job at Wisconsin as he did at North Carolina, he'll definitely be a head coach caliber type of type of coach. But um, they got three solid quarterbacks in the portal, notably Tanner Mordecai from SMU. He'll be their starter going into the year. They also got three receivers in the portal to join their top three receivers from the year before. Um, the receivers last year, I mean, weren't that great, but granted, it is, it is Wisconsin. Um, as far as Tanner Mordecai, not very confident in him. I mean, going from SMU where you just throw the ball around the yard, it's like playing in your you know, backyard, I guess, in Luke and Logan's case, front yard. But, I mean, I just don't think going into, like, the Big Ten, like, he definitely won't be able to do that, I don't believe. But the whole thing with their offense is surrounded by Braylon Allen. Braylon Allen is an absolute running – is an absolute bowling ball, and he's going to be just a force to stop against any team they play. And, you know, like a team with, with Wisconsin, like, they're going to have a good offensive line. They're – going to have a pretty solid defense for the most part the defensive side of the ball though Nick Herbig he played like that outside linebacker type role like just go get to the quarterback and Keanu Benton both Pittsburgh Steelers so I've looked like a lot into him and like I said I think in the Maddie Fresh interview I I bought PFF and uh, PFF they grade literally every single thing that happens on a football field and what Nick Herbig did and Keanu Benton did is just irreplaceable. Like, replacing these guys, I, there's just going to be no answer for it at Wisconsin. Um, so, yeah, losing them, definitely going to be a huge knock on their defense. Granted, Luke Fickle did bring in a ton of guys from Cincinnati, I believe, and um, Cincinnati had pretty solid defenses for, I mean, you know, Cincinnati standards for the most part. But, like, Wisconsin in general, I have them for sure winning eight games. Um, it Obviously, in the Big Ten West, you don't have the most stacked schedule, but I have coin flip games like versus Iowa at Illinois, and you can pick between first Nebraska or at Minnesota. I don't think Nebraska or Minnesota is going to be that good. Obviously, sneaky, but, I mean, if you're going to call a coin flip game like Nebraska and Minnesota, they're going to win one of those games. So I can see them maybe losing one of those. But, um, yeah, for like think the over-under for their wins is 8.5. Uh, they're fourth in the Big Ten and winning it. Um, I don't think they're the fourth best team. I think Iowa is. I mean, we talked about Iowa already, so I'm not really going to go into that. But, um, yeah, they, I think year one under Fickle, though, is definitely going to be pretty successful like compared to what they've been putting out of late. Yeah, you, you, eight, and, eight and a half was correct on the over-under. Uh, probably solid because the Big Ten West, You, if you win the Big Ten West, you should win over eight games or yeah. at least eight games. Otherwise, the division is really that bad, which it has been. But anywho, um, yeah, it's just I, I think I like what you said about Mordecai. I, yeah, he was a good quarterback at SMU. He could sling the ball around the yard like crazy, but he's not like a Big Ten quarterback. He's not. I don't think he's not. I don't think he's that good. Just going off of that, uh, so that's why I, that's why I worry about them. I don't think they have that structure yet. It's a brand new coach with Fickle. Who knows? It's they. I think they could be a very like crazy, wild uh, offense where it's like you don't know what you're gonna get because you have a new offense coordinator that obviously put up a lot of points with Drake May. You have Luke Fickle who was likes that air raid. You have Tanner Mordecai who really likes to sling it. 
but they never they never have receivers at Wisconsin. They never have. It's never been their thing. They have a Braylon Allen. So you have kind of a clash. You have a really good running game, a running back with a quarterback that likes to sling the ball, a couple coaches that do. I think they're going to be a very weird offensive team. Like you don't, I, They're going to be like, you don't know what you're going to get out of them week by week. They go up against a really good defense. They might struggle really bad, or they might light them up and pick them apart. But I don't like it because it's just so new, and you have no idea what to expect. I really don't. I I think in the coaches' poll, they had him in the top 20, which coaches' poll is so stupid anyways, but – because it's so biased. So that's that's the thing. I don't think they're top 20 or top 25 team, but yeah, it's just the consistency I worry about with uh, Wisconsin, which that's why I don't like them to win the West, considering Iowa's right there with them. And you know what you're getting out of Iowa. They're consistent of what kind of play you're going to get with them. I don't have any clue what you're getting out of Wisconsin. <clears throat> I agree with you too. I think you can trust Iowa more. And I think obviously every time a new coach comes in, even like the LSUs, like like that, like early on, they're going to lose games. That's just how it's going to be. They're going to lose a bad one. I feel like there's going to be an early upset. It's how like these new coaches work and everything. But like you, just, it's going to be weird when you have a quarterback like that who can put up 77 points in a game. <laughs> and, then a running, and then just like a naturally running offense. And it's like a big 10 too, where, the only team who really airs it out in the Big Ten is Ohio State. And even them, they have good running backs. So I don't know if they're going to keep it on the ground, use both. Well, it's probably going to be like a use both, obviously. But with a new coach, you just – you don't know what to expect that was at, like early on in the season. Could be good, could be bad. More than likely, it's usually bad to start. But then by the end of the year, then they like, oh, we kind of slept on him. But it's a new coach. So it's supposed to happen. Uh, kind of building off you guys with Mordecai uh... – he never had to face a pass rush. And when you go into the Big Ten West where their defenses, for the most part, rely on their front seven and, like, getting to the quarterback and what getting to the quarterback does opens up your secondary to be able to make, like, those big play, like, game-changing plays, like pick a ball off that's, like, you know, comes out too early or off target because there's a pass rush coming. I mean, I think it's just going to be a total, like, shell shock of, you know, two totally different types of football. It'll be, like, a different sport, I feel like, for a guy like Tanner Mordecai. Like, obviously, like like Logan said, he's a guy who is able to put up 77 points in a fucking college football game. But then on the same note, I mean, doing that in a Big Ten, going up against Big Ten defenses, I just can't see it at all. Yeah, because, like, Iowa, you know they're going to get defense. You know with – you know Illinois is going to get a good defense again. Like, they've had they, – they lost some guys on their defense, which we'll get to them, but – they're still they're Illinois like they're they're gonna be solid. Uh, Minnesota is always gonna be a very solid dude. Even like Rutgers uh, with Shiano, like Shiano's a defensive mastermind. Like they're, I guess I don't know. Yeah, I'm going through. I'm just going through the West right now. But it's like that's the thing. It's the Mordecai is just like yeah. That's a th- that that's why the inconsistency I think is gonna come into play because he's got the confidence to put up points. Like I. And he put up 77 against, like, Houston. I'm not saying Houston was good, but they're now a Power 5 team. Obviously, they weren't last year, but they are now with one year into it. So, I think that's something to say. I don't – that conference is not a bad football conference by any right. means. It's not the defensive conference that the Big Ten is. So, that's the difference. But he can put – they can – they got the – feels like they got kind of the offensive um, skills and stuff and, like, coaching where they can score, but – most teams don't score no matter who you are against like these teams in the big 10. Like 
you're not going to score against Iowa. You're not going to score against Illinois unless you're like an Ohio State who can just put it on you like crazy or like a Michigan. But it doesn't really matter who you have. I feel like they're you, they don't give up points. Well, we talked earlier about um, Wisconsin. Yeah, we tried it, I think, before on this podcast, even naming a wide receiver to come from Wisconsin. But the great thing about Luke Fickle is I think he's had like three wide receivers go to the NFL from Cincinnati, brought in three transfers. Obviously, the three top guys are turning. I think we could definitely see like improvement there, too, where, you know, Wisconsin might be able to, you know, toss the rock around now. It's just like the thing is, is Mordecai going to be able to like adjust and like not get right. frustrated yeah. at maybe throwing the ball like only like 20 times a game being running the ball with a really good running back with Braylon Allen. Is he going to be, and you might struggle to get, get like complete passes at times. You're going to throw some interceptions, like, especially like when you play like in Iowa, because that's what we do is turn guys over. So is he going to be able to keep that composure and not get frustrated? And is like fickle and those guys going to be able to keep him under control too. I have no idea who Tanner Mordecai really is. So as a person, so maybe he's <laughs> really like, maybe he can do that, but that's going to be the thing. You got to adjust to a completely, like you said earlier, Joey, completely different style of football. Uh, should we hop into Illinois? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me get them pulled up here. Oh shit. All the way up to the SEC. Great post- podcasting, Joey. All right, Illinois. Uh, so brief, Brett Bielema, I mean, he's going to run the ball. He's they're, They kill you on time of possession. I think they were one of the leaders in um, college football last year in time time of possession. And with that, they make little mistakes. So Illinois is like another one of them, like kind of like Iowa teams are just pests. Like when you play them, like expect, you know, kind of cool scoring games. And, um, yeah, they're just going to do what they do best. But uh, their quarterback, Vito, he's gone. Enter former Ole Miss four-star Luke Altmaier. So, yeah, obviously there's questions there. You're like, oh, shit, you know, if Altmaier's a the guy, then Illinois' season could, I mean, you might look at them as like a nine-win team rather than like a seven- or eight-win team. But um, their left side of the line, they apparently compete. They they can compete with the rest of the Big Ten. And the right side, it's all sophomores. So that's kind of weird. Like where uh, I was listening to a coach yesterday on a show. He was talking about if you put, like, sophomores in – like big, if you like start sophomores, it's usually really bad. Like it's a really bad situation. So like one one half of the offense line is like that. I mean that could be scary for them. But if we want to switch to the defense side of the ball, which they're kind of known for, their defense last year was number one in picks, first in turnovers, and third in total defense in general. Like Illinois was super under the radar, had one of the best defenses in college football. Um, the but apparently what the biggest problem is is lovey smith when he was there he recruited a lot of those guys from last year and their defense coordinator ryan walters also was like one of those guys who got a bunch of that talent through illinois on the defense side of the ball and almost all of them are either in the nfl now or just out at illinois so um yeah so that's something that's definitely like scary looking at when you think about illinois uh, they had four guys combined for 17 picks last year, and every one of them is gone. I mean, like I, how I said earlier, they were first in interceptions last year. All all of their interse- interceptions as people, at least, are gone, and um, that's just really fucking scary for Illinois. Yeah, their secondary was loaded last year. Right. It was stacked. 
like everyone you knew was going to the draft, you knew they were going to get drafted in a good position. Uh, but I do trust Bielma. I think yeah. he's, I think he's a really good coach. Obviously he's been on that. He's turned this Illinois program into something um, where they can contend for the West. Like they were last year, right there with a lot of teams. So that's why, that's what you go back to. I wish Bielma would, um, a cool. Um, because he played there and everything. Like maybe he should come back, but no, I like what he's building there. And Altmeyer, I remember when he went to Ole Miss, um, I thought he was gonna be like good because obviously he's like a four star. And but then they get like they get get different guys come in, obviously, because it's a uh, Lane Kiffin. He's gonna get guys that can play right away and good good talent. So I think he's good. I like Illinois um as that sleeper. Like I think they might be better than Wisconsin, honestly, just because yeah. you got I trust him more, I feel like, because I know what you're getting out of Illinois. But like I hinted earlier, you know what you're getting out of Iowa. You know what you're getting out of Illinois football because it's Brett Bielma, Kirk Ferentz. You know the coaches, you know the play style. So I do like them a lot, actually. Um, I can't find it right now. Where is it at? I mean, they're 550 to win the West. I don't think it's a terrible price, honestly, considering uh, you thought the West wasn't good last year. I think it might be even almost worse this year. In a sense, because I feel like they're like Purdue was solid last year. Wisconsin was just bad. Iowa was not good last year. Like even the and I don't know for some reason I think Illinois might is not a bad price to win the West this year. Yeah, um, I don't know too much about Illinois. Any like year in and year out, you don't. I don't really think about it too much. But obviously, right now is when they're getting good, so that's when you're going to start to know them more. But like I said, like it's like you guys said, it's kind of just run the ball, play defense. It's what you're gonna get out of them. It's what you gotta expect, and they do it well. So they're gonna be. They're always a team you gotta worry about. You don't want to play them. Yeah. Um, so they also lose Chase Brown, who was, I mean, spectacular. I think he's on the Bengals now. He, they're running back. Um, but I mean, I believe like running backs could also be replaceable in, in an Illinois offense where they just cram the ball down people's throats anyway. I don't know if it'll be the biggest problem. But uh, the thing with Illinois, they start off the year with Toledo, Kansas, and Penn State. All of them, for the most part, can throw it around. And so we'll see if Illinois' secondary is, like, ready to roll going into, like, more conference play. They have, like, one of those weird schedules where they play a Big Ten team early. But um, Reggie Love, their new running back, and uh, they have one more running back, too. They're supposed to fill in, like, perfectly well. So, um, yeah, I mean, seeing – like, I mean, Bielema, he's coach at Wisconsin, too, when they had just dog after dog at running back. So, I mean, I would expect more of the same. So, um, but, yeah, just like what I said, the running game will be good. Their defense will probably still be good. They, uh, One of their defense tackles is the best defense tackle in football, which I didn't even know that till maybe like a day ago. But, um, yeah, it's like Luke said, though, the value you get out of Illinois winning the West, it's definitely something to look at because – the, there's uncertainty, obviously, but there is with every other team in the Big Ten West, and but they have also proven that they can be like one of them teams. So, uh, yeah, definitely keep your eye on Illinois. Should we hop into Minnesota? Yep. Uh, yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> Where the fuck? Nice. Okay, Minnesota. There we go. Uh, Ethan, here we go. Calic Banks, <laughs> yeah, it's fucking four-star quarterback who threw for 300 yards versus Wisconsin last year. So, I mean, that's pretty solid. But other than that, he was, like, historically bad for quarterbacks. Um, I'm not sure what happened. I was watching uh, Cover 3's breakdown about 
Minnesota, and they really don't know like what the fuck happened there with him. But I mean, they they're like so invested into him that they think like he'll you know figure it out and be fine because he he was thrown into the fire last year as a freshman. So we'll see how that goes. But Mo Ibrahim, he is gone, and he he was one of the top running backs in college football last year. He was absolutely unbelievable. Um, losing him's definitely, I think, going to be a big deal more than more so than like what Chase Brown was at Illinois last year. But uh, they lost their interior, they lost their entire interior offense line, including John Michael Schmitz, who was a first center off the board last year. And hearing what people have to say about like how important a center is, especially when you have your two guards gone too, I think that could be a huge problem for Minnesota. Um, after the Penn State game last year, their defense was spectacular. They allowed only 20 points or fewer the whole rest of the season, which, I mean, just flew away over my head. I just, I mean, you watch Big Ten football, I guess you don't even realize how good defenses are because you have such low-scoring games. But then you look at the numbers, you're like, holy shit, like what they're doing is absolutely spectacular. But um, they added a ton of guys from the G5. I mean, they're one of those schools that they're not going to get a lot of talent from the bigger conferences they're really going to load up on the guys who are good from the smaller schools. And um, they play North Carolina early this season. So we're going to see what, I mean, what we really have with Minnesota a little bit. Their secondary is supposed to be the worst part of their team playing North Carolina. That's a huge test. They're obviously a team who's just going to throw the ball all around. And if their secondary is that bad, we'll know real early. And um, yeah, that's, that's another nice perk of like one of these big 10 teams have, pretty solid um, like non-conference schedules and uh, we get to learn a lot about these teams before they enter conference play. Yeah, that, that'll be a big game uh, just for like fans or people that are gauging to see how good Minnesota is going to be going into the big 10 play. But um, losing Mo is so big. Yeah. I thought he, I always thought he was such a stud. Um, I don't like Minnesota. I don't like PJ Flack. I liked him when he. I just, there's just too much with that row the boat stuff, and it's just like, oh my god, I don't like it. I don't like how he wears a tie on the football sideline. Yeah, chest pumping, chest or chest bumping players like after touchdowns and shit. It's like, dude, fucking chill out. Why does he wear a tie? Yeah, I don't mind I'm, it. I, I mean, you you overthink like what coaches wear. <laughs> Not football though. Not football. <laughs> Basketball, I don't mind wearing like a tie. Like, I think it's fine because I use football players. Like, that's not a football coach. I don't think that should be wearing a tie. You shouldn't want to as a football coach. But that's beside the point. Um, that's all I really got to miss. Is like, losing Mo is so big because he su- was such a big part to them. And they're just your typical Minnesota, like, our Big Ten West defense. And I think the rest of these Big Ten teams we talk about are just not going to be that good because the Big Ten is so top-heavy. And everyone else in the bottom is just, like, can they score is what you're going to get with a lot of these guys, like, are they going to be able to score the football? They're going to get stops, but can they score? And that's the question I don't know if I can answer with uh, Minnesota because they couldn't even do it last year, and they lose their best like offensive pieces. I don't ever care about Minnesota besides their coach and that he's just weird and obnoxious and everything else. But, I mean, it's a team that they could just come out of absolutely nowhere just because they have – I guess they have some pretty good receivers – like that's kind of what they always have. They kind of have like decent receivers and stuff, and they like they'll throw it. But it's just going to be a weird team. Yeah, going back to Mo Ibrahim, he was third in run, run rushing attempts last year, and he just didn't cut him off the field at all. And like uh, I was watching something 
yeah, it was yesterday again. But um, like listening to his offensive lineman just talk about how important he was to the team, like losing him is, I don't know. I just, I don't have any hope for Minnesota this year. And yeah, I am another one of those guys who's a PJ Fleck hater. He's just all talk, no walk. And it's like crazy, like that they're the fourth in the West. Like there's 600 plus 600, which is kind of surprising that they're so far ahead of like a Nebraska at 14 to one and Purdue is 22. Like it just feels like that's a huge gap for some odd reason. And I don't think it really should be. But that's another thing that we'll get to. I don't know what their over-under wins are. Do you know off the top of your head, Joey? Uh, no. Minnesota. I can look at it. It's got to be like six and a half, seven. Yeah. Seven, no oh, it's seven on the nuts. Um, Might take that under, honestly. I don't like. I don't think they're – they're Minnesota football. I don't think Minnesota is going to be very good this year at all. Should we hop into Nebraska? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, now we're entering the Matt Rule era at Nebraska. Uh, Matt Rule, historically, his first two years are pretty bad, but then his third year, that's when you see, like, what he's actually getting done, and he's been successful everywhere else. We'll see what he does with the transfer portal. But no one knows how good Jeff Sims is going to be because he can't stay healthy. He've, he's only played in 15 games in his last two seasons, and he's playing at Georgia Tech, and uh, – Jeff Sims, like, apparently, Matt Rule, like, all the guys at Nebraska, they really love what he's doing in spring and everything. I just don't see it because in those 15 games that Jeff Sims did play, he was really bad. Like, he's great with his legs. But other than that, I think he had, like, a 54% completion percentage. It's just not going to get it done. Um, it, it's just – I, yeah, I just don't see it working at all this first year with Matt Rule. But uh, their defense, it's a total revamp and. They were absolutely terrible last year. Uh, Matt Rule, he's a defensive coach, and he's going to have to rely on a ton of young guys and some transfers. So it's just too much going on where they pretty much flipped 11 guys as starters, and they don't really have depth behind them unless they want to start just super young guys that they have right now. But, I mean, still, that either way, I just don't see it working. Um, uh, let's see here. Oh, Scott Frost, he... <laughs> So they said the biggest problem with Scott Frost, he had absolutely no idea how to stop the run. And so Matt Rule, he's going to have to try to figure that out. Nebraska is one of the worst teams in college football stopping the run and in the Big Ten West. That's why he got fired. I mean, he had to face a bunch of teams that just run the ball, run the ball, and he just couldn't do it. And, um, it, yeah, it's, we'll see what Matt Rule can do. But, yeah, just year one's not going to happen. Like, yeah, like, what do you expect when – you can't stop the run and you're playing against Chase Brown and Mo Ibrahim and uh, Iowa's run game in general and Braylon Allen. It's like, like, what do you expect to, to do? It's, it's like, that's the first priority you should do on defense when you're in the big 10 West, especially if you want to win, stop the damn run. But in Nebraska, yeah, Matt rule. Um, he's he even said it too. Like I, the one thing I do um, like, like about my rule or like worry about as an Iowa fan is that, he likes to run the ball. Like he likes big 10. He plays big 10 football. So that's, I think that's why it's a good hire considering that's literally what he loves to do. He said, that's how you win games and stuff in like a press conference way early in the year. But, and yeah, he's had success in the big 12 and he's had like, so that's why it worries me. But like you said, it'll take time to build a team like Nebraska considering they just haven't been good in a while. 
and you're not just going to, I know they have the history, but you're not going to just build a team like Nebraska in a year. It's going to take some time to get these, get your guys and get guys to buy into Nebraska football. They're going to get money. Like they have money. I don't know if they have a compared to obviously the big teams, but the SC or the big 10, I think they should be able to compete money wise, like NIL wise with the top because they're Nebraska. That's what the, the fans only care about. They literally sell out stadium, the stadium without even going to the games because yeah, the they just buy just tickets. Buy the tickets yeah. And they, just to say they sold out. So that's obviously a good thing. If you're um, looking at the NIL part of being a Nebraska fan and how they're going to get recruits. So, but going to the Jeff Sims thing, he is horrible at Georgia tech. Um, I, I you, you rarely see him play cause he's on Georgia tech. You just kind of ignore those games, but he was horrible. Can run the he can run, but yeah, I don't see it yet. But I give it time because he does like he plays the style that Big Ten West plays, so he's gonna fit in perfectly. He's gonna it's gonna be a very ugly style of football, but it seems like that's kid can get it done in the West. I expect um, them to be better, but nothing, nothing crazy. I mean, you're bringing in. <laughs> Bringing a quarterback from Georgia Tech, a coach who is good, but yeah, like we said, um, his debut was at Baylor and Temple. He was three and twenty-one, and like I just, you're, I don't expect much. Give it time, maybe one big win or something, but I don't see anything good coming from Nebraska. Like that's crazy. Yeah, I brought this up with our interview with uh, Elliot. Um, having them as their last game kind of scares the shit out of me. Just just to see if it's a statement game. Like, all right, let's see. Like, we're gonna win this one for coach. Like, <laughs> if we beat Iowa, like people like end the fans out on a high note, and you know, be like, all right, Matt Rule, like beat Iowa last game. It's like, all right, let's go. You know, let's get let's get it the next year. But like, they're there like three wins going or four wins going into that see, that game, and then it's like boost them going into the next season, something like that, or shoots off his Nebraska coaching career, something like that. But if I, but that's why I think when you said it, you're hoping like we're in contention. So we have something to play for too, not just going out there and they have all that pride and stuff. So hopefully we're in a position where we need to win that game and we'll be fine. Uh, Maryland. So they have Talia Tagovailoa. I think, I mean, he is pretty solid quarterback, but I think the name is, I mean, more that doing for him than anything, really. Uh, they have a really nice running game. I see them, like, maybe upsetting a team, and I brought it up with uh, Maddie. Uh, they got Penn State at home before they head to Michigan, so it could be, like, a look-ahead game. But still, I, I don't really see much coming out of Maryland. I mean, they have pretty – Decent like receiving room. They got Tyrese Chambers from FIU, who was like one of the best wide receivers in the G five, and uh, they, but they also lost six of their top seven linemen by snap count. And listening to the cover three guys talk about it, their offensive line and defense line, they lost literally everybody, and it's a full like reload, and they're just scared shitless of that. They're like pretty confident, like on the other side of the ball, because like Maryland sneakily has been pushing out. Um, DBs like really consistently into the NFL draft and they're Maryland's like pretty solid too at just having just randomly good players come out of nowhere you know but um, yeah it's there's a reason why Maryland's behind like a team like Nebraska like they're kind of just a one trick pony and we'll see what happens 
Yeah, the, the Tulia thing is such a, on his name because I remember, remember when Iowa five picks two years ago and going to that game, it was like, oh, watch out for Maryland. This you guys have had all these picks. You've had you've turned teams over. This is a legit quarterback you're finally playing, and he just yeah, like you said, five interceptions. He was terrible. Um, I don't think he's that good. It's just that name, Tugaviola, whatever, however you pronounce it. But I don't. I'm not a big Maryland football guy. I really have, have never have been. They're just their basketball um, first school. Yeah. They because we always said they're one of those schools when they're good at basketball, it's good for the sport. So they stop football. Awesome helmets, awesome jerseys. I'll give them that, but that's about it. I I mean, Tulia, it doesn't matter. Unless, like, the actual two is throwing the ball. This team isn't winning the fucking – like, they're not winning anything. They're not going to surprise you. They're not going to do anything great. They're they're Maryland. Just uh, You see Maryland football, and you're like – like, when was the last time Maryland was, like, good? It's probably going into that Iowa game when they just got their ass ran into, like – I have nothing good to say about Maryland. Uh, yeah, so- and like people like him, people like him as like a sleeper too. For some reason, in that in that uh, yeah. um, and I don't maybe maybe it's like like you said they have like those games where it's like could be like look ahead spots. Maybe that's like why they like watch out for him, and they can put up points at occasionally with Tulia. So I maybe that's it. But people like him for some reason. Uh, Purdue, Jeff Brom, he's gone, which I think is absolutely massive loss. Like, Jeff Brom, he, I don't know, he established, like, a culture in Purdue and, like, found, like, was really good at just evaluating talent that, I mean, other people just looked over. And, yeah, he's gone to Louisville. They get Illinois' defense coordinator, Ryan Walters. He's, like, this young coach. And I think what their, like, plan is is just, uh, I don't know, like, bring him in, give him a lot of time to like build a name for himself. And they like, just see the potential side of him. But I don't know, like it, obviously it's another new coach in the big 10 West. I just don't see them being successful. Uh, Hudson card. He's stepping into what's going to be an air raid offense again for Purdue, but they lost Charlie Jones and he led all of college football in targets and catches. And it really wasn't even close. I mean, like a couple receptions, like kind of is a lot. And uh, I mean, considering for how much a normal wide receiver one gets in a football game, like, and he just was fucking unbelievable at Purdue. It was like 10 catches a game at least. And they obviously with a new coach, they have just tons of new transfers. I don't think Purdue is just bringing in any studs from anywhere. So yeah, definitely I'm overlooking Purdue. I mean, yeah, cool. They got Hudson card, but I, yeah, it's that. I mean, it's the same thing as like Talia. It's like, okay, I have a quarterback. What else do you have? And in the Big Ten West, especially, a quarterback doesn't really mean that much. Yeah, um, we're out of time, so I'm going to make this quick. Uh, I do like Hudson Carr. I think Hudson Carr could be fun. I think uh, Elliot said that too. I think he's got some talent, but, and it's a Purdue, but losing Brom is so big. Like, he, they lived in the championship last year. Like, they have a very, very good. He was building something, it felt like. So, yeah, I'm I'm out on the rest of these teams in this conference. Like, I don't really think they have a shot. So, there's no really point wasting too much time. Every other team in this conference is just ass cheeks. Yeah, um, I – Michigan State. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, go quick so we can get into, like, their awards and shit. But 
Oh yeah, duh. Yeah. I was gonna take Michigan State's over. I will say that. I yeah, think I might Michigan still. State being this far down, I think, is fucking crazy. So I mean, just take that as you will. Just trust us on that. Northwestern, they're gonna be absolutely terrible. I have no idea why they're third to win the big t- third last win the Big Ten West. I think a team like Rutgers is much better than them too. Uh, they, I mean, Rutgers probably. Yeah, they definitely just have a way harder schedule. Never mind. Then same with Indiana. But yeah, all those teams are gonna be dog shit for the most part. Yeah, I mean, that's really all we have to say. I think I'm going to take Michigan State's over. I think it's like five and a half. I think I might take it, though. Yeah, to get a Kenneth Walker. But <laughs> um, Okay, awards. So, fuck, I'll let you guys take over the awards because I got to pull up so, this uh, sheet. Go team first? No, all let's right. go player. Okay. Um, I'm going to go um, – I'm going to go with <sighs> – I'm going to go Blake Corm. I think he uh, just gets so much volume with them. And you saw what he did last year, and he didn't even play the whole season. Like, he got hurt late, so he missed the Ohio State game. And I think he just gets so much volume and so much carries. I think he's going to be uh, he's going to be one of the better running backs in the country, obviously. Do you want me to go, Joe? Yeah. Marvin Harrison. Yeah. That, same, same here, Logan. Um, yeah, he's – I mean, what's there not to be said that it's already been said? Um, he's, like, the greatest wide receiver recruit that we've seen, I think, like, in our lifetimes, at least, like, remembering. So, uh, yeah, I also have Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, I love Marvin Harrison. I have a future on him or Heisman, but. Um, for we'll for uh, team or coach, I guess let's go with that. I'm going to go with James Franklin. Um, I think if he beats either Michigan or Ohio State, and uh, they win all their other games. I think he should win it. I mean, obviously, I'm big on Harbaugh this year to, you know, win, like go deep in the playoffs. But I, I mean, that's not going to matter when they vote Big Ten coach of the year. So I'm going to say James Franklin. Yeah, I think it comes down to who wins the conference. Or, uh, or I want to say like Ferris has a chance, but if he can get to the championship game, but really he's the second favorite to get there. So that doesn't really make too much sense. Um, I'm going to go Ryan Dix. I think he gets over the hump of Michigan and they go undefeated, I'd say. But I do like the James Franklin pick because I want Penn State to win. And obviously, Penn State, I think if Penn State wins one of those games and is in contention for the, to make it to the championship game and they somehow just miss, I think he's, he could still get it. Yeah. I'm taking Ryan Day because it's going to be an undefeated season and they're going to win it all. Yeah, I don't mind the Ryan Day pick. Um, Obviously, OSU, like they have every right to be there just as much as Michigan does. So, um, but yeah, obviously, I alluded to it earlier. My team out of the Big Ten is going to be Michigan this year. Yeah, I'm going to go Ohio State, but we both have Penn State. Like that's the other team. So you take Michigan, you take Michigan, you take Ohio State, and then you just root for Penn State. I think that's really how it comes down to the Big Ten. So well said. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going Ohio State easily. I, 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 we obviously really want Penn State, but I, I go. I want to say this one more one thing about the Ryan Day shit. People always say like the born on third and stuff like that. He still like wins with it though. That's what I, you know what I mean? They can't be Michigan. Yeah, they can't be Michigan, but he's they're undefeated one loss every year with it. You know, like the, I understand he came into a good team, um, but he's won with it. He's got to a championship with Almost it. Beat so Georgia, he's got 40. He's, so- he's still got a coach. No you know other I mean? coach, no other coach has been at 
uh, school for like this amount of time and just won nothing but 10 and 11 game seasons. I mean, Kirby smart. It took him fucking how many, how long just to get to where he is now. And nobody brings that up like all the other years. So yeah, I mean, Ryan day, I think it's another coach where it's a matter of time. And of course you, (laughs) you lose a Michigan two years in a row and people are just calling for your neck. It's fucking terrible. I mean, Poor it makes guy, no sense. More money, more problems, I guess. Like, yeah, it makes no sense that they just come after him. But I, I mean, I kind of understand just because you can't beat Michigan, but he's two and two against Michigan. Well, what I love too is like the um, knock against him is like, oh, his team isn't tough enough, and it's like something that like that you can't point out one thing like, oh, like is uh, I don't know, like is. Yeah, his uh, offensive line is never, or is like secondary is never good, or something like that. It's just like, oh, they're just not as tough as Michigan. It's like, well, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> that's the knock. But, yeah. but that's the thing. It's like if they're born on third, um, I think, like, there's not another coach. In, there's obviously maybe a few, but there's not many coaches in the country that go into Ohio State and be have down to one game against Michigan to decide if you're going to the playoffs or not. Yeah. Like, there's not many coaches that could just come into a situation and do that. Well, for the most part, other than, like, Purdue, every other team in the Big Ten plays smash mouth uh, football, mm-hmm. and they beat every other team by 40. And then they yeah. play Michigan, and then they lose. And it's like, oh, they're just not tough enough. It's like, shut the fuck up. Whatever. But, uh, yeah, anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our guest all across the Big Ten with Elliot and uh, Maddie Fresh. That was awesome to have them on um i know the fans just talking to them about it you guys already liked it and you haven't even listened to it yet but um <laughs> yeah thank you so much for listening and as always take her easy this kid is a gamer he's a follower he's a playmaker and a shot smaller in case you didn't know i got t-boat he shattered the mold and all he does is win all, all, all he does is win games listen i got t-boat he shattered the mold and all he does is win all, all, all he all he does is unleash him t-boat let him go it's time you're him loose let him play let him play on sunday unleash him t-boat let him go it's time you're him loose let him play going to church sunday run pass option i think that's my game I can't you that! I'm no John Elway. He's rewriting the book. Week in and week out. He's a unique football player. That's what Tim Tebow's all about. He's a gamer. He's a baller. Playmaker. Shut smaller. He's a gamer. He's a baller. Playmaker. Shut smaller. Unleash Tim Tebow. Let him go. It's time. Turn him loose. Let him play. Let him play. Right. On Sunday. And all he does is win. All, all, all he does is win. One more game. One more win. All, all, all he does is win games.